I will, um, in this session I'm going to begin by explaining karma. Karma is a very important concept in all these teachings. And then, depending on how much time I have, I will tie up the concept of karma to what we have been uh, exploring in terms of your individual body, mind, type. Okay? And then we're going to do a meditation after this. <clears throat> so, karma is actually, in its more simplified version, karma is the law of action and reaction. particular action that is performed gives a particular reaction. That's a very simplistic, very simple way of looking at karma. A lot of the misunderstanding of karma is that uh, karma is fatalistic in the sense that, you know, there's always a debate whether things are predetermined or not. Okay? Like, we're all sitting here. We have all met. I've met Kaya. Was it my karma to meet Kaya? Or is it free will? Okay. So yoga has got a very interesting perspective on this. So for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to explore, explore that perspective. Okay. So. Karma has got three components. Okay. The first component of karma is action or experience or event. Okay. In Sanskrit you call this kriya. So where in, in our life, we execute an action, we undergo an experience, or we, an event happens that it's beyond our control. This issues memories. Okay. Every action that we execute Every experience that we undergo through generates a particular memory. Those memories, in Sanskrit, they are called samskaras. So if you study Buddhist literature, if you study yoga literature, if you study the Yoga Sutras, for example, you're going to meet this term samskaras quite often. Samskaras literally mean seal, imprint. That's what it means, an imprint. So an action or an experience generates an imprint, a memory, in your mind. Okay? Your mind has got two components. The conscious mind and the unconscious mind. So whatever you do, Whatever experience you have right now, we're talking, you will cook, 
whatever you eat, how you move, how you think, everything that occurs in your life is constantly generating some scars, is constantly generating memories in your conscious mind or in your unconscious mind. Okay. The next component of karma is desire. In Sanskrit you call that vasana. Whatever memory is imprinted in your conscious mind, but particularly in your unconscious mind, is going to generate desire. Sometimes desires that you don't want to. Sometimes desires that are actually against what is good for you. Sometimes desires that can even take your life out of control. And it's very difficult to control desire because desire is directly issued by the memories that are stored in your unconscious mind, particularly, and sometimes in your conscious mind. So desire again generates a particular set of actions. And the action will generate memory. The memory will again strengthen the desire. And the desire will generate more action. And it will generate more memory, more desire. It goes like that a thousand times, a million times, and that is karma. That is what actually defines your life. So that's why sometimes we say in life we experience this very peculiar aspect of our beings that we do things that we don't want to do. Have you ever experienced that? That you do things that you actually don't want to do. You do things that are actually harmful, that give you pain, and you know that it gives you pain. You experience the pain, yet you continue doing it. Or you have experienced, or you know, or you want to do certain things. You know, you know that, for example, if you do yoga every day, or if you exercise every day, if you have a particular routine every day, it's actually really good for you. It makes you happy, it makes you healthy, it changes your entire day yet you don't do it. <laughs> Isn't it? So you experience this contradiction. We, we actually, as human beings, we constantly experience this contradiction that we actually don't do the things that we really want to do, and we do the things that don't want to do. That is because of the samskaras. Now, yoga philosophy believes in past lives. So, a big concept of yoga philosophy is that you are born with some cars, some scars that come from your past life. 
But <clears throat> if you don't believe in past lives, you can actually take this concept in your present life. How actually the experiences, the actions that you perform in your current present life are actually constantly generating desire and action. And then we actually become puppets of samskaras. We become puppets of karma. And we lose control. So when you look at yoga philosophy, actually the entire system of yoga was revealed so that you could break karma. That's what actually the purpose of yoga is. In the Bhagavad Gita, in the second chapter, which is considered the most important chapter in the Gita, and of course the Bhagavad Gita is considered one of the most authoritative books in yoga, after Krishna explains the nature of the soul, how the soul is eternal, how for the soul there is never birth nor death, nor having once been, does he ever cease to be. It's unborn, undying, primeval. It's not slain when the body is slain. And Krishna explains the nature of the soul in the first half of the second chapter. And then he tells Arjuna, he says, now I'm going to explain to you about yoga. I explained to you about Sankhya, about the nature of the soul. But now I'm going to explain to you, to you about yoga. And then he puts a, says a very important phrase there. He says, by knowing which you can break the bondage of karma. In Sanskrit he says, karma bandham prabhapsyase. By knowing which, by practicing which, by practicing yoga, you can become free from the bondage of karma. So the entire yoga system was revealed actually with the aim of breaking karma, with the aim of actually, I'm going to use a Western word, reprogramming your unconscious mind so that the desires and the actions that follow are actually beneficial to you. So that the actions and the desires that follow take your life in a good direction so that you can actually have a fulfilling life, so that you can actually have purpose and meaning in your life. That's what the entire yoga system was created for. So when you look at this, at this model, it explains a lot. It explains a lot about human behavior. Okay. You create karma with everything. I'll give you an example about food. Okay. Mary's laughing. Let's have this cheesy broccoli. I remember when I first went to India, the school that I went to, the first item that they would give you was a bitter item. So there is a, there is a squash that's called bitter melon. Uh, in Hindi, in Bengali, you call karela. It's 
actually really good for you. It cleanses your blood. But particularly if you live in India, it's really good for you because if your blood is too sweet, the mosquitoes, they eat you alive. So you see in the summer when the mosquitoes come and attack you, they literally attack you. If you eat bitter, it's much, much less. So, you know, we were a whole group of international students there, so the Americans, they hated bitter. So you would see during the winter, you know, they get all this, during the summer, they get all these boils and all that. But it was in the school, you know, like you would sit down like that with a banana leaf, and they would come and give, the first thing they gave you was bitter melon, karela, or neem, neem leaves, which is also really bitter. I remember when I first went there, I hated it. Hated it, but I couldn't stand that. So every time I would, you know, because you were not allowed to say no, so I would receive it and I would hide it in my banana leaf, <laughs> cover it, and then we had a goshala cows there. And it was, very, it's a, it was a very beautiful ecosystem, actually. You would, after you finish, you would take the banana leaf and the cow would eat the banana leaf, so there is no wastage or nothing. And then with the banana, with the banana leaves, this fiber for the cow, it would actually cleanse their colon, and they would pull a lot. So we would go and pick up all the, you know, cow excrement and put it in a big tank, ferment it, and we put a pipe to the kitchen, and that was our gas, our biogas. So it was uh, quite interesting, you know. And uh, so if you didn't want to go to class, for example. So I had a teacher, my teacher, his name was Atma Tata Prabhu. He, was, he would teach all this stuff, but if you didn't, if you didn't want to go to class like this, he said, all right, no problem. Go and fill up the gas tank. <laughs> so you had to go with a bucket, you know, pick up all this stuff and do that. So if you don't want to go to class, that's fine. We don't force you to do anything. Anyway, so I remember I would do all that, and I would get all these boils, you know, in my nose here, the mosquitoes would and I remember Atma Tatwa Prabhu, he always used to tell me, you know, that's your karma. So I always understood karma to be fatalistic. I must have done something in my past life or something. That's why I'm getting all this stuff. And then I remember in one class he explained all this. And I was, okay. Still, I didn't get it. So months passed by, years passed by, actually. And I still remember this day. I went to uh, Calcutta, I was taking Sanskrit lessons there in the university, in a college, Sanskrit college. And I didn't eat the whole day, <coughs> my schedule. I only ate one banana in the morning. My schedule was so tight. I came back in the evening, and I went to the kitchen to try to eat something. And there was only rice and this bitter melon, Kerala. And if you know Mayapur, the rice is just boiled, has got no oil, no salt, nothing, because they don't encourage you to eat carbohydrates alone. They, they, wanna, they always want you to eat carbohydrates, rice, with some dal or with some sabji, some curry like that. So there was this boiled, bland rice, and it was karela. So I sat down to eat the boiled bland rice because I hated the karela. But then I said, all right, just a little bit of the juice for some taste. <laughs> so 
I put a little bit of that in the rice, ate it. Oh, it's not too bad. Put a little bit more, not too bad. Then I just started eating. <laughs> and I actually began to enjoy it. I began to enjoy the bitter. You know. So the next day, so an action, so before, whenever I would see the karela, and the first time I experienced karela, bitter melon, because it was so bitter, my experience, or so to say, and this is a very important aspect, the perception and the interpretation of karela get left a bad memory in my conscious mind. I hate it. I remember the first time I ate it, my interpretation is this is horrible. How can they give this to you? It borders on child abuse. Okay? So that was my... So then, this is what Atmatata Prabhu explained to me. So, so then, I store a, bad, a negative memory about something that is good in my conscious and my unconscious mind. So then, next time somebody serves me karela, I hide it and I throw it away because I don't desire it. And that desire produces this action of not taking anymore. And then again, this not taking karela anymore strengthens this memory that karela is bad. And this strengthens the desire. And again, I don't take it. What is my karma? I get boils and get eaten by mosquitoes. Get the point? It's consequential. It's not fatalistic. The disease, you know, the negative experience of life that I, that I assume by not taking something that is good for me is a direct result of my desire, my action, and my memory. It's not that God is punishing me because I didn't take my bitter melon. That's a very simplistic approach. It's actually the universe works in a very organized way. Okay, so okay, you don't do things that are good for you, you're going to experience things that are not good for you. Simple. Okay? So how I changed my karma? So that day, because I was hungry, you know, my perception and my interpretation of the bitter taste changed. I began to like it. I began to enjoy it. So then that leaves a different memory. Now, karela is great. It's tasty. It's good. In fact, right now, one of my favorite dishes is bitter melon. I, sometimes I drive to Hertzville, to the Chinese store, just to buy bitter melon. Because I actually like it. There is a preparation called sukta. Bengali cuisine, sukta. It's really nice. Really, really nice. And I just eat that with rice. I enjoy it. Good for me too. If you're a pita, bitter is the most balancing taste. If you really want to balance your pita, your fire, your intensity, like we, we talked last week, Bitter is really good for you. Okay? So then that happened. So I didn't eat the whole day. Because of my hunger, my perception and my interpretation changed. You know? Then I developed a positive memory. And of course, a positive memory issued a positive desire. So next day, I still remember this. This is 
1985. Next time I sat down in the dining hall with my banana leaf in front of me, and when the boy came that was serving, they give you the, the bitter melon. My reaction was salad. But he gave me the bitter melon, then I said, can I have a little bit more? Mm. And he gave me another one. So I was, I was very excited. So I went to my teacher at Matatopo room. He lived in a hut, a little bit outside the school. So I went after school, I, after lunch, I went to him and I told him all this. And he said, ah, what you have done? He said, I still remember, he told me, he said, you know what Pratyahara is? I said, yeah, it's one of the limbs of yoga. So you have yamas, niyamas, asana, pranayama, pratyahara. Pratyahara means you withdraw. You withdraw the senses. That's what pratyahara is. So what you did is you fasted, basically. What you did is a very old yogic technique. You do pratyahara, you fast, <coughs> you shut the senses, and then that, just that aspect, can break karma. So he said, you know, like for example, you can, food is nothing but acquired taste. Whatever you like in terms of food, is nothing but, at one point, you develop a positive memory about it. So we have people from different nationalities here, right? I'm Peruvian, but I didn't grow up with Peruvian food. I grew up with Bengali food. So my, in my memory, Bengali cuisine is the best. You've got Italians here, right? They're pasta, gnocchi, <laughs> you know, pizza. It has to come from a particular region of Italy. <coughs> Huh? Isn't it? <laughs> so then you've got Chilean here, you know. In Chile they have, in Chile they have a preparation, poroto con rienda. <laughs> First time I looked at it, it's beans and spaghetti. Didn't make any sense. <laughs> but in Chile, if you grow up with that, beans and spaghetti, it's a delicacy. In fact, my friend told me, hey, you know, let's go and party with this. <laughs> How can you party with that? Because when you are a kid and when your mother treats you with a lot of love and serves you with a lot of love, in that context of love, you know, whatever you eat, you know, is going to issue a positive positive sanskar. So you will see that in everything actually in your life. You know? It's so another important point is this, in, in this is, it's not really the action, it's not really the event, it's not really the experience that you have that gets stored in your, in your unconscious memory. What gets stored is the perception and the interpretation of the action. What gets stored is the perception and the interpretation of the experience, not the experience itself. That, this, the perception and interpretation, is actually what decides everything. The bitter melon is great for you. 
But if your perception of bitter melon is bad, is that it is not good, that you should avoid it, then regardless of the inherent goodness that is in there, you're going to reject it. So, a lot of yoga practices, in fact, in, in yoga, you have got a word called sadhana. Sadhana means a daily practice, a daily spiritual practice that is aimed at eradicating the bad samskaras that we have in our lives. That's what sadhana is. Okay? Because you look at it. So look at it, let's look at it in this way, okay? So if I have stored uh, memories that are actually not conducive for me, that are actually not favorable, what do I do? Because it, it is these memories that are actually issuing desires that are not good for me. And it is these desires that are actually creating actions that are not good for me. You see, for example, in addictions, this is a very clear model. You take some kind of drug, you know, the dopamine goes really high in your brain, you feel really good, so your perception is that this is good for me. And then that's stored in your memory. And then that issues more desire. And you keep doing it. What you are actually doing is you're programming yourself to experience dopamine only from that particular substance. So all the other experiences that give you dopamine, like focus, concentration, achievement, movement, etc., etc., lose its meaning. Because now what you have done is you have actually stored a memory that I can only get my dopamine from this particular experience. So what do you do then? You have to break this. You have to break that memory. Because in as much as your perception or your interpretation of that experience of drugs is that it makes you feel good, the reality is that it destroys your life. That's what the reality is. The reality is that breaks all human connections. The reality is that it makes you insensitive to reality, to the actual reality. The reality is that it makes you weak because you escape, you don't face the challenges, you don't face the problems of life. And that is true with any addictive behavior. Any addictive behavior is nothing but escape from the present reality. You don't want to face the pain. And it actually, it is when you face the pain where you actually grow. A human being progresses, grows, takes a step forward only when he or she gets the fearlessness to face the pain and to go through it. That's the only way to do it. So any activity, any addictive behavior you can see is nothing but an experience, an interpretation of that experience, a memory that is stored 
And the thing is with drugs or even food, you know, it gets, the memories get stored in your body. Once the memory is stored in your body, it becomes physical, physiological, it's very difficult to shake it. You can even be addicted to other things. You can be addicted to caffeine, you can be addicted to, to sugar, even. So the whole yoga process, through a practice of sadhana, is aimed at breaking this cycle. That's what it does. It's aimed at creating new memories. It's aimed at introducing new interpretations, new perceptions in your unconscious mind so that you can break this cycle. Now this is a very long topic, and we'll come back to this. I'm running out of time already. We'll come back to this again and again. But some memories, you can, also, you can also categorize memories as memories in the mind and as memories in your body. <coughs> All negative memories create fear. Okay? All negative memories create fear. And fear creates the wrong kind of desire. And the wrong kind of desire creates the wrong kind of action, which again strengthens the memory of fear. Love, for example, or the experience of love can generate uplifting memories or can generate Traumatic memories, memories of fear. So I'll ask you a question. Let's see, let's do a little survey. Who here has been heartbroken? Raise your hand. Okay? And the rest you are lying. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine, right? You open your heart, you dare to love. You know, you put yourself out there, and then, <coughs> you know, the memory of heartbreak. How long does it take to overcome that? Really? Because the samskara is so strong, right? So strong. That samskara of heartbreak is it takes a, a lot of inner spiritual work to actually be able to transcend that and heal that. If, check this out. So let's say you've been hurt in love. Let's say at one point you gave, you know, you dare, you surrender, you gave all that, and your heart was smashed. Now you have a memory of fear. Love creates pain, and if I dare to love again, I am going to experience this terrible pain again. So, conscious, even though you want to be loved, even though you want to be in a relationship, unconsciously you're going to do all kinds of things to sabotage that. Even though the, you may be with a person that actually loves you, even though you may be with a person that is actually really sincere with you, 
even though you may be with a person that actually all he or she wants is for you to be okay and to be happy and I don't care about anything else. If you have that some scar of heartbreak and if you have not healed that, if you have not overcome that, if you have not transcended that, it's going to create a desire to actually destroy and sabotage that love that is in front of you. Even with friends, even with family. Okay. So again, when Krishna says, you know, karma bandham prabhapsa said, he says, this yoga is actually going to help you break karma. He's talking about a very serious, a very profound practice. Not just, you know, something light. Actually, very deep. Very, very deep. For example, so fear, and I'll end with this. Fear creates. Uh, the, what's the physiological component of, of fear? It's tension. It's actually tension. When you're fearful, your muscles, they tense up, right? They tighten up. That's a physiological component. You're afraid of something, immediately you do this. <coughs> so if throughout your life you are going, you are fearful about things, so your shoulders are always very tight. All your muscles are always very tight. So that's why in, in yoga you have the component of asanas. So that's why traditional yoga you hold a posture for a while. Why? Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to eradicate the fear in a physical way. You're trying to eradicate the fear that is stored physically in your muscle cells. So understand now why the stretching is not really about being flexible. It's actually about reprogramming your unconscious memory in your physical body so that your body can actually be free from that tension, your body can actually be free from that fear, so that if you do a meditation, it is not blocked by your body. So meditation, mantra for example, so if you have got we have got a lot of bad memories. What if we create good memories? What, is, what if we insert in our unconscious mind a mantra? Mantra literally means that which frees you, that sound vibration that, that frees you. So you, 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 as an action, you practice asanas. That will store it in your memory. What if you chant mantras? What if you worship the deity? What if you execute devotional activities? What if you live a life of surrender? All that gets stored in your memory. And all that creates good desires. And all that creates the right action. So it is our purpose in creating a community here at Govinda Valley that we focus on this. That we focus on the activities, on the actions, on the experiences that actually are able to free you from this, from negative karma. And then you will see 
a very profound change on a very, very deep level. I'm going to end here. I'll leave a little space for questions. And then we can do a meditation. Didn't have time to actually go through the doshas to the Pita Batakafa in relation to this. We'll do it next session. Any questions? No? I have a question. Um, do you then think that there isn't such thing as free will? There is free will. Your free will, it's actually here or here. So despite, let's, okay, so let's say for example, you, not you, but somebody has been heartbroken, all right? And they have this fear of love, fear of relationships, right? Now, you can be conscious of it. Even though it drives you, you can be conscious that I've actually have got this negative memory of love. And that's why even though I am in a relationship with somebody that is really authentic and genuine, I'm not able to love that, right? You can be aware of it. That awareness can create desire. I have to do something about it. Mm. Maybe I'll go to therapy. Maybe I'll practice yoga. Or maybe, you know, I'll do something so that I can change that. So you take action. You meditate, you do all kinds of things, and then you start introducing new memories. It, depending on the activity that you choose, depending on the action that you choose, it is possible to become free from that. Mm. That's actually the entire yoga system. Okay? So are those positive actions and choices still your free will, or is it your karma to be making those decisions in that life? It's very hard to say. Look, this is an explanation, a philosophical explanation of karma, right? But the actual application of it is not that clear. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna's, when Krishna's trying to explain about karma, he says, tells Arjuna, he says, Kim karma, kim akarmati, kava yogatrama I'm going to explain, talk to you about karma, but please know that even the great sages get confused by this. When <laughs> <laughs> the great, great sages get confused by it. So it could be that a lot of your good desires come from memories that are stored in your past life or in this life. Or it could be that a lot of your good desires are nothing but your exercise of free will. Could be both. Which are what? It's really not that important. Yeah. The actual point is to develop good desires. And let's say even if you don't have a good desire, that's okay, you execute the action. So for, for, from, for example, in the school that I went to, they, you know, it was part of the dis discipline to get up at 3.30 in the morning. To, you know, to go to the temple, to chant, to meditate, to chant mantras and all that. So whether you want it or not, for the teacher it was irrelevant. I don't care whether you want to sleep, you get up and you take your shower and you go. That action done every day, you see the, in the West, even now, especially in these times, 
the consequences of discipline are very underestimated. Even the consequence of forced discipline, especially if you're a millennial, you don't like these things. You know? But if you actually think about it, if you are forced to do a, a good activity, you know, a good action, that is going to imprint good memories in your unconscious mind, which later on you're going to be extremely thankful for. So is the purpose of life to break your karma? In a sense, yes. In a sense, yes. And not just your karma, karma of your family. And you want to take it even farther, the karma of your community. You want to take farther, the karma of your country. New Jersey, America. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> so beings, enlightened beings, you know, like Prabhupada, you know, Jesus Christ, they went beyond that. They wanted to break the karma of the world. That's why they did their mission what they did. Prabhupada, our founder, you know, 65 years old, gets into a ship in the 60s, going to America, two heart attacks in the ship. Nothing would stop him. Because in their consciousness, they went beyond their own karma. And if you clear karma past generations and forth, can you also clear karma for future generations? Yes. Yes, whatever you do right now, in fact, you know, family, but not just family, even right now, whatever you do, whatever activity you do, how your consciousness evolves, it creates a context, it creates memories for future generations. You know, they changes. It can ch give an example of how karma gets broken like that. I think his name is Roger Bannister. I could be wrong. He was the first person who ran one mile under four minutes. I can't remember the year. I think it was the 50s or the 60s, something like that. But you know, you know, one mile is a thousand steps. And when the Romans they were trained the military, they would actually measure how many steps you you did, and one mile is a thousand steps. Okay. So in all the Olympics, in all the races, in all that, they always. Uh, they could never run a one mile under four minutes. I'm pretty sure his name is Roger Bannister. He decided, no, I'm going to break this record. And he trained, he failed, he trained, he failed, he trained, he failed, till one day, I don't remember, I think it was in the 50s or 60s, he broke that record. He did it in three minutes, 56 seconds, if I'm not mistaken, and something, something. Okay. It, hasn't, it hadn't been done before. The interesting thing is that the next year, three people broke that. The next year, 10 people broke that. And the next year, I think 25 people broke that. One did it under 3 minutes and 48 seconds. And now, to run a mile under four minutes, 
<laughs> just trying a little bit, and you're okay. Can, you I, can, do it. can I add, um, I've heard that story, and I think part of it was people were worried that you'd have a heart attack or something. Yes. yes. So there was fear. There was a lot of fear. It. Yes. Mm -hmm. Also that you, yeah. get, uh, you could get seizures. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that. So it is possible that you can break the karma for future generations. You do something, and you create a, col you create a collective memory. So Roger Bannister, he created this collective memory. And then future generations benefited from that. You can create a, a collective memory or a family memory or a community memory for your family that comes after. Yes? Um, I was thinking, um, it's not my case, just in case, but what happened with the people that have no desire, positive or negative, so how that you mean in a neutral way, yeah. or in a, yeah, like or in an indifferent, uh, yeah, lethargic way? I was way. thinking just with, with COVID, like a lot of people, um, it was really bad for the isolation and for the mind and depression, and I was thinking about that, like people with no kind of desire, like about anything. Like you mean about, let's say, depression? You yeah, yeah. Depression is not lack of desire. Depression is actually the desire to not progress, to not make effort. The desire is there to sit and do nothing. That's it's not there is desire, but the desire is a negative desire, a very negative desire. So meditation is one of the best tools or techniques to actually introduce positive elements into your memory. Okay. In, in Sanskrit you call that yang. You know, you meditate. So, what, so let's say for example you're feeling really bad. You're feeling terrible. Whatever. You have the side of doing nothing, something. And a lot of this is unconscious. Okay? A lot of this is unconscious. Who here has experienced you get up and then you feel bad for no reason? <laughs> huh? No reason. You just feel bad, right? It's because this is operating on the background. Okay, so what do you do? You have to be proactive. Doesn't matter how you feel, you do something that creates a positive samskara. So one of the things that you do is meditation. So, in the Hare Krishna movement, we meditate on the Hare Krishna mantra, we put that prayer, we put that sound vibration inside your unconscious mind, and it begins to change things. You can, you can do all kinds of, all types of meditation too. For example, you have meditation on, on love, on gratitude. Okay. What happens if you're feeling bad, and you introduce gratitude into your unconscious mind, and into your conscious mind? things began to change. Just by that. That's what we're going to do now. Okay? So, I'm going to ask you to sit up. No, actually, first I'm going to ask you to get up. And if you have a plate of food in front of you, I suggest you put it to the side. So that you don't step in. Okay. 
So always before any meditation, it's always good to, uh, you know, put some energy into your body. The more energy that you put into your body, the deeper your meditation will go into. Okay? The deeper you will go into your meditation. So you stand up. Okay? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. And simply bring your awareness to this present moment. Take a deep inhale. Exhale. Take a deep inhale again. Exhale. Take a deep inhale again. Exhale. And again, just bring your awareness to this moment. And if there are any thoughts that are distracting you, gently put them aside and focus here. Bring your attention here. Take a deep inhale again. Exhale. Take a deep inhale again. Exhale. And in your last inhale, I want you to slowly raise your arms above your head. Gently stretch. Your elbows are straight. And while you're stretching, take a deep inhale again. Exhale. Deep inhale, stretch even higher, and from the tips of your toes to the tips of your fingers, feel how energy flows, how strength flows throughout your entire body. You can lower your arms. Stand up straight. Take that deep energy. Feel it. Take even a deep inhale. 
presence, bring your awareness to this present moment. Just remember, what you are doing is you are introducing gratitude into your conscious and your unconscious mind, which is going to generate good desire and good action, thus altering the cycle of karma. Say thank you. 
your mind. your blessings. See how life, how God has blessed you. Feel it. Take a deep inhale. And from the depths of your heart, simply say, thank you. Close your eyes. 
deep inhale. Exhale. Take a deep inhale again. One of the greatest gifts that life gives us the gift of good company, the gift of good friendships, the gift of a good community that is focused on spiritual growth, company that is focused on taking that step further in our lives. We have to be very grateful. We're here in this room right now, surrounded by people who only want all that they want. Because they want to take that step forward. They want to progress in their spiritual life. Such company is very rare. So you put your hands into prayer position again. And let us all be grateful. have such a group of people to belong to such community where spiritual growth a spiritual path is the basis take a deep inhale now you're going to be even more daring open your eyes Turn to the person next to you. Come on. No, turn. Face it. Face the other person next to you. Do it. Come on. You can do this. Come on. Turn. I'm going to do it for you then. You too. You too. Pair up. Find somebody. There. Then. And just simply say this. Thank you for being here. You can give them a hug if you want. And I know there are some newcomers. Yesterday, welcome. Welcome them into your, our community. Tell them thank you for being here. Good. You finish? Good. Now you find another person. Find another person. Come on, find another person and tell them thank you for being here. Be proactive. Find another person. Find another person. And when you finish, find another person. And if you find a newcomer, welcome them into your community. Do that, find another person. Let us be grateful and let us acknowledge that to be in a community surrounded by people who are actually looking for good. <laughs> it's very rare. 
and another person. One last person, find another one last person. Okay, and once you're finished, you can go back to your seat. Okay, once you're finished, you can go back to your seat. Once you're finished, you can go back to your seat. Sit up straight. Close your eyes. Take a deep inhale again. Exhale. Take a deep inhale again. Exhale. And just simply feel your consciousness right now. How when you practice gratitude. How when you live in gratitude, good things began to happen. How you feel different, you experience different, you view the world different. How karma begins to change. Close your eyes. Put your hands into prayer position. Again, let's be grateful for all the ways life has blessed us. And let us make a commitment that it doesn't matter what happens, even the biggest challenges of our lives. Always be grateful to God. Because behind every challenge there is always a lesson. And let us be grateful for this present moment. We don't know where we're gonna, where, where we are going to be tomorrow. But if today we're grateful, today we connect with ourselves, today we connect with life, with God, with my fellow human beings, everything is going to be okay.
and you can lower your hands. Let us just be here in this space for just a minute. you can slowly, slowly begin to open your eyes. So to introduce auspicious memories, to introduce positive memories, to have a daily practice is what begins to change this side. Imagine if you did this every single day. How would you like it? All the drama, all the complaints, all the selfishness begins to disappear. Then you can really start living your life. You can really start expressing your true potential. You don't worry about the insignificant things. Life becomes much bigger and much larger. Well, thank you for coming this morning. We'll see you in the next session. I don't know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.